Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we're the Judgy Crime Girls. Hello. Hello and welcome back. It's so funny to think that there are new listeners out there who have never heard this podcast before. I know. Every week we it's have just, somebody new and it blows my mind that we are international. That is what I can't wrap my brain around sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, hi, Australia. I know. Like, uh. It's so funny when we get like emails from listeners sometimes that, you know, hey, you've made it all the way to Australia or Romania. And Mm -hmm. wow. (laughs) Very cool. This weekend, I saw my... I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. <laughs> I was going to say, I just remember when we got excited. Oh, somebody is listening to us in Ohio or, you know, <laughs> it was just so cute when I think about that. Now it's, wow. I'm wowed. Yeah. It's insane how much we've grown since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been doing this for about a year a, and almost a half. A, yeah. Wow. Fun, fun. It is. The things that interest us. We're so morbid. Yeah. Yeah. How was was your week? It was nice. Always quiet. Yeah. Um, Yesterday, I went to Five Below only because I saw they had a Roomba and somebody reviewed it on TikTok. And I'm like, I have got to have it. So I get there and she's like, ugh. That was sold out within like five minutes. Oh, okay. So I ended up buying a pair of biker shorts, which was was so nice. And they had big uh, canvases, canvas, uh-huh. uh, two for five dollars. So I got a couple of those. Nice. And then I went home. <laughs> was my art project. I stopped at Michael's and got some acrylic paint. I have some ideas for those. For the canvas. You're so crafty. Well, we'll see. <laughs> well, Claudia, she's like preparing for her big birthday bash and she's going 70s themes. And here I am. We're close enough that I feel like I can just give her gifts at any point yes. here. <laughs> and then on her birthday, be like, happy birthday, hooker. And it's cool because she knows like if I see something that's like, oh, she's got to have this. She knows. I'm here for it. She she got me a cake that said, happy birthday, hooker. And I'm sure the cake lady was like, excuse me? What? I actually- <laughs> Hooker. H-O-O. No. <laughs> you know what I should have said? I should have said that was your last name because they refused to put it on the cake the oh. following year. Do you remember that? I had to- Yeah. It was manual labor. I had to do that myself. <laughs> They were like, absolutely not. We will not. Well, put that on and our look cake. at you. This year, you got me the f bomb. <laughs> I'll have to post a picture. It's the cutest little thing. And I think we talked about it last week, yeah, didn't we? We did. So yeah, I just took a picture of it, and it's adorable. I love it. So every time my husband says something, I'll just throw that f bomb at him. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Yeah, your weekend. It was full. Lots of family. Just I had not seen in so long. Mm -hmm. So my heart is so full and my house was very loud. But I think the highlight of it all was seeing my grandpa trying to to block 
guard um, my my nephews playing basketball. Mm-hmm. It was just the sweetest and cute. It's just really nice having everybody around. And Emery beat all the guys at arm wrestling, every single one. And you know she's making Mama proud. That's right. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. Nice. So anyway. I found the coolest safety tip that I wanted to share today for Safety Corner. Oh, nice. So this woman I had read, she had escaped a suspicious man that had thrown her in her trunk and took off with her car, actually. She had remembered in her new car that there was a safety latch on the inside of the trunk that was glow in the dark. Oh, nice. So when the car had kind of slowed down a little bit, she was able to pop it open and jump out. And I thought, oh, I should look in my car to see if I have one of those. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't, so I would end up dying. But Hmm. you should look in your... Well, we drive the same car. (laughs) I'm talking to our listeners. Oh, okay. (laughs) Definitely look. But I also learned a few interesting statistics the U.S. Department of Justice shows a 12% chance a criminal will call attention to himself by firing a gun in a populated area. So he had threatened her with a gun uh-huh. and told her to get in the trunk. But if there were people around, just know there's a 12% chance he would actually fire. That's pretty high, actually, I feel like. 12%? A 6% chance of actually hitting you and a 3% chance of that bullet being fatal. Stop. Stop. That's still too much. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. So was she putting groceries in her car or we don't know? Um, Well, this happened in Daytona Beach, Florida. It was at her apartment building. She just saw a suspicious guy in the parking lot walking toward her. So she decided to get out and face him because she felt like he was kind of maybe behind her. Mm -hmm. So he pointed a gun at her and told her to get in the trunk and to give her her purse. Wow, okay. So that's what happened in that scenario. Not that you needed to know the whole scenario, but just look in your trunk, see if you have that button, just so you know. Nice. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting and... Well, even though we drive the same car and you already looked, I will still look. No, don't. Not you. You don't need to look. You don't. I'm still looking. Maybe you overlooked it. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe we have one. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Hey, we just wanted to, again, thank everybody for voting for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And we wanted to throw out a little thank you. So Friday, August 12th. That would be next Friday, not this Friday. Right. Uh, We are hosting a true crime trivia again at 7 o'clock. It's going to be super fun. Claudia and I are going to celebrate. Be drunk. And (laughs) join you and maybe bring our F-bomb with us. Yes. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thank you so much for voting. Voting is now over. And now we just have to wait. Not long. We'll find out August 7th, that evening. I don't know how late. So probably August 8th, we'll make an announcement, you know, if we make it into the next round, which who knows? Not sure. We're excited. Yeah. But thank you all for voting. 
Definitely. Yeah. It was exciting. I mean, I've already like basically picked out our picture. She already our- wrote her acceptance speech because <laughs> um, like late September, they're actually going to have a live award show, really. And you have to write an acceptance speech. OK, I think she had it written already July 1st. <laughs> Here's me. I'd like to thank my work wife. Uh, m- m- me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have things we're going to make necklaces. And I wanted to be the trophy wife, but Claudia wanted to be too. Well, I'm the good girl, so whatevs. Whatevs. The bad influence. Or does it, was the other one the drunk one? <laughs> I don't remember. If there is, I'll take that one. That can be the bracelet. She's the DIY queen, and I found adorable wine charms that were makeshifting into jewelry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, these are so cute because, y'all, I don't drink wine, period, at all, ever. we don't. Especially if it has a cork or whatever. If I do drink wine, it's the cheap with the screw cap. Screw on, screw off. That's what I drink. But uh, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, these are so cute. Are these earrings? And she's like, no, dummy. <laughs> Those are, what are they? Wine they're tags? Wine, they're wine charms. Charms. However, <laughs> I'd like to point out that I know you don't drink wine. She's a beer girl. I learned this the hard way. Remember? <laughs> when yes. he's, I had balloons and everything. We were celebrating our one year. Oh, y'all, she came with freaking Long Island iced tea. And I'm like, oh, ooh, sure this did. is strong. I mean, who doesn't love that? Claudia doesn't Me. love that. <laughs> it's okay. It just means we need to drink more often. That's all. Well, I hope you guys sit down, pour yourselves a drink, get ready for everything Claudia is about to spill out into her mic. This one was actually suggested to me by my daughter. (laughs) She had just um, randomly read about it, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you have to talk about it. And she told me about it a little while ago. So finally, I got around to it, and I am taking you to the Geechee Manitou State Preserve Park (gasps) and tell you about the Geechee murders. Okay. I have... I vaguely know this story. Okay. On the evening of November 17th, 1973, 13-year-old Sandra Chesky accompanied her boyfriend, 17-year-old Roger Essam, to the Gitchie Manitou State Preserve just over the state line in Lyon County, Iowa, with their friends Stuart Beatty, who was 18, Mike Hadreth, who was 15, and Dana Beatty, who was 14 at the time. They're all so young. All so young. So they all piled into Stuart Beatty's blue van and headed for the park. Gitchy Manitou was a really well-known place to hike as well as hang out for parties. They had a lot of beer parties there. When they arrived at Gitchy Manitou, the teens parked the van in the tall grass not far from which was like a stone shelter and went southwest down a really narrow path. And they had the Big Sioux River 
uh, just right behind them, which I can picture that place just being gorgeous. You hear the river running and, ugh. Stuart, he's the one that drove them there, you yes. said? Yes. He has the funniest bowl cut, <laughs> like, yeah. ever. Okay. So those uh, those are all four boys, and then Sandra was the only girl. And Dana, I, I know, has a little bit longer hair, but it's... These are all boys. brothers. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Dana and Stuart are brothers. Okay. okay. So they settled into an opening right among the trees. They had been there maybe 20, 30 minutes when they heard sticks snapping. So they all listened and... And they were like, who's there? Anybody out there? You know, when you kind of creep through the woods, you can kind of hear it. And it wasn't long after, as the teens were all huddled around the campfire, they were confronted by three brothers from Sioux Falls. Alan Fryer, 29, James Fryer, 21, and David Fryer, 24, who were out in Gitche Manitou that night looking to poach deer when they came across the five teens around the campfire. So they were watching the teens for a little bit. They thought they were smoking marijuana and decided they would take the weed for themselves. So the brothers went back to their truck, got their shotguns, and instead of approaching the teens sitting around the fire playing guitar smoking weed, They just opened fire. (gasps) Holy crap. So Roger was killed instantly, and Stuart was wounded. The other three kids ran into the nearby tree line for cover. So the Friar brothers yelled for them to come out from their hiding place, and Dana walked out alone, and Michael and Sandra walked out together. And they asked the Fryer brothers who they were. So Alan Fryer responded by shooting Michael in the arm and telling him they were nar- uh, narcotics officers. Obviously, so, they're not. No, not at all. They were out that night just to hunt okay. deer, poach deer. Michael and Sandra collapsed on the ground together, although she wasn't wounded when they shot Michael in the arm because she walked out with him together. She was right there and she fell to the ground too, but she wasn't hurt. Alan, uh, so they were on the ground. So Alan Friars came up and kicked them and told them uh, there was no use playing dead because they just laid there really still. And he's like, well, don't play dead. And then he ordered the teen's to walk up a trail leading away from the campfire. Oh, no. Well, they didn't want to leave Roger behind, who was killed instantly, who was shot dead. And they're like, well, what about Roger? And David Fryer told them that Roger would be all right. And he had just been shot with a tranquilizer gun, which was not true because Roger wasn't moving. So he was, you know, dead. But he's like, don't worry, he's fine. It was just a tranquilizer gun. Oh, no. So after a bit, he stopped them and spoke quietly to his brother David before leaving the teens alone with him. When he returned, Alan ordered the teens to continue along the trail. A short time later, he told them to stop again. Once again, 
he left them alone with David. When he returned, he moved them uh, along the trail once again until they were near the road, finally stopping them. And then he was yelling over here to someone. Well, that's when James Fryer pulled up in the truck. The brothers had driven to the park. So the other brother went, got the got truck. Got the truck. After a quick chat with James, Alan tied Sandra's hands behind her back and put her in the truck before leaving her while he and James returned to the trail. Okay. Uh, Moments later, Alan returned and started the truck to drive away with Sandra. As they were leaving, Sandra saw Michael, uh, Michael, Dana, and Stuart, who Stuart, who had also been brought back from the campfire at some point. That's why he left and went back and got Stuart, who was hurt. Right. So they brought him back and there were all three together by the road. And that was about the last time she would see them alive as they stayed there with James and David Fryer as, she as the away. other brother drove away with her. Okay. Once Alan and Sandra were gone, James and David Fryer shot all three of the teens and left them on the trail. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a nightmare. Uh, yes. And can you imagine? I mean, she was 13 years old. 13 years old. And I couldn't find out what time it was, if it was late in the evening, or I don't know. I don't know what time. I am trying to envision why she would be allowed to go on this trip, all boys, Across the state line. With just her. And maybe she wasn't allowed. I don't know. Maybe she went anyway. Yeah. I, I don't totally know. So Alan drove Sandra around for a while, pretending, still pretending to be a police officer and telling her that he was trying to keep her out of hot water. Oh. He told her that he was the boss and that the other two would do whatever he said. So they called him the boss. Eventually, he again met up with David and James on the road and got out of the car to talk to them for a moment. And then after that, they all piled back into the truck and went to an abandoned farm oh, where wow. where James raped Sandra. And uh, she told him that she was a virgin and he didn't believe her. He was like, no, you're not. And she remembered saying, I'm only 13. And that really shocked him. And he would tell me later, I'll do what I can to get you out of this. So he was really surprised that she was only 13 years old. So the all time. the while, he's still playing this manipulative game. Yes. And, and he's she, a police officer. And at the time, she believed him. Of course, yeah. Because she's 13. She's 13. And was there any truth to the fact that he was, would you say he was the ringleader of the Definitely. other two? Mm -hmm. And this one is the 24-year-old? Alan is... The older one. The oldest. Okay. That he was 24. 29. David is 24. And oh. James is 21. Okay. And the, the Friars are a big family. I think there were seven brothers and six sisters in that family. So, but those three were the closest out of all the siblings, mm -hmm. and they would do everything together. Gross. So, yes. Absolutely sick. So, just the oldest raped her. 
And the other two just... No, James did. Oh, okay. James, the middle one. He is the 24... Year old, yeah. No, James is the 21 year old. I'm sorry. Okay. The youngest one. Gotcha. So after the rape, when it came time to get rid of her, Alan, the oldest, told his brothers he would go and do it, get rid of her. So early the next morning, Alan filled the truck's tank with gasoline from a large red fuel tank, and then and then he drove Sandra home. <gasps> and still under the pretense of being a police officer, saying that Sandra was too young to get busted. So he actually drove her home. Alive. Yes. Did he lead on to his brothers that he was going to kill her? No. Well, yes. So yeah, he lied to his well, brothers? Yeah, because they were going to get rid of her. Uh, right. To me, that means permanently? I guess. Me too. They need a cover up mm -hmm. for what? Wow. So he really. So he took her home. Went out on a limb there. Yeah. And this whole time she was so worried about her friends left on the trail somewhere. Oh, my. God. The three bodies on the trail were discovered the following day by a couple from Sioux Falls South Dakota, who were at the park test driving their new car. So Roger Essam's Roger's body, who was sh shot instantly at the campfire, mm -hmm. was not discovered until the following day. Uh, and that was because he was still back by the campfire, which was a little ways away. He wasn't found until the following day. But Sandra uh, went to the police, apparently, and she was like, well, there were we were out at the preserve, and there were three police officers. I want to know, did they take my friends in? I would like to know what happened to them. I haven't talked to my boyfriend. He's not returning calls. So she went to the police worried about her friends. And they're like, what are you talking about, right? So she tells them what happened, not knowing that the bodies have been found, but the police already knew they have been found. So she was telling them, giving them details, so they knew she was for real. Yeah, how scary. So did these guys, did they wear badges or anything like that? Mm -mm. No, they just... They just said we're under, like okay. undercover narcotics right. officers. They were smoking weed. Right. So they got scared. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, we got busted. And she was just worried about her friends. That is so sad. So the one that got shot in the arm, that was actually her boyfriend? No, her boyfriend was Roger that was killed instantly. Oh, okay. That was her boyfriend. Gotcha. So investigators spent days questioning Sandra about details of the incident, and they even... Uh, drove her around all these gravel roads trying to find the farmhouse where um, she had been raped. And because it was really hard for her to kind of tell them where it was. It was not in her area, first of all. And remember, he, I said he drove her around for a while. So she, I think she kind of lost, you know, her sense of directions well, where, where she was. She's 13 years old. She doesn't even drive yet. No. Not so at all. That would be really hard. Right. To pay attention. And especially if if it's out in the country. 
I'm sure it's kind of flat. I don't know. Well, and when you think you're with someone, you can, if an, if you're with an officer. Right. You're like, well, I'm in good hands. Yeah. So. Uh, so that was uh, Sheriff Craig Vincent. He's the one that drove around with her day after day, trying to find out if anything looked familiar or that she could lead them to the farmhouse. So about 10 days later, the sheriff and Sandra were out driving again, and as they drove around, she recognized the red fuel tank <gasps> that he used to fill up the truck beside the garage of a farmhouse near Hartford, South Dakota. It was found that the farm belonged to a local farmer who employed Alan. This one kind of gave me goosebumps when I read this. This is one in a million. In a chance encounter, Alan Fryer drove right past the sheriff in the same <gasps> blue truck, the blue pickup he and his brothers used on the night of the murders. I mean, they were just passing each other. So Sandra is like, oh, my God, that's him. That's the boss. That's him. That's the guy. So the sheriff radioed the truck description and location in and had it pulled over by other officers who then arrested Allen. And then shortly after that, both David and James were also arrested. Those brothers, I tell you what, they were like, we're so close. We do everything together. But man, when it came down to it, no. No. So when first interviewed by police, Allen claimed that it was Sandra's friends who had fired at them first. <sighs> And they accidentally killed someone, of course. Eventually, he admitted he shot the teens because they'd been drinking and smoking marijuana, and they wanted to steal it from them. They, yeah, but I'm like, you're in your 20s. These are teenagers. Why not just be like, give me your weed or whatever. Give me your stuff. And I'm sure they would have given it to them. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, I well. would have. How about just if you want it, ask for some, or I mean, if, if they wanted to come on strong, they could have threatened them yeah. or firmly asked right, just to come out and start firing. Yeah. So he's like, so we just wanted to take it from them. David Fryer told a similar initial tale, but eventually caved and told the truth. So on November 30th, 1973, Sandra identified both David and James Fryer uh, from a lineup, like right away. She's like, those are the two. So James Fryer took a different tactic or a different approach than his brothers in his, in the police interviews. At the time, James was already serving time in the county jail. Okay, so he was like, well, I, I wasn't there. I was in jail. Uh, the cops were like, no, you, you were not. So he was enrolled in the work release program. So he was like, I wasn't, I was in jail. And they're like, no, you were out that night. So on the night of the murders, David Fryer had called the jail pretending to be James's boss so he told him he needed James to work an extra shift so that the three brothers could go out hunting that night. So he was out on the work release program. This is why we do not let anyone out. 
I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah. I don't think. Let's not. It's just know. not. Yeah. He's like, I wasn't even there. I was in jail. And the cops okay. were like, yeah, no, you Listen, were not. <laughs> don't let anyone out of jail for the day. So anyway, the cops were like, no, you were not. You were out. And we know you were. So then he changed his story and literally wasted no time blaming both his brothers for everything. He confirmed that they found the teenagers smoking weed and that Alan had pretended to be a narcotics officer, but claimed that Sandra had been laughing and having a good time with him and his brothers, even willingly having sex with him. I'm like, dude, she's 13. I'm sure not. Gross. So he insisted that it was his brothers who killed all four of the boys Alan and David were moved from the Sioux Falls jail back to Lyon County jail. Okay. But James remained in Sioux Falls uh, because he was still serving his jail sentence there. Right. So. And what was that charge from? I don't know. Okay. I couldn't find anything on that. That's okay. So, and yeah. Okay, go on. Okay. So they kept him there. The other two are here. Right. So on December 1st, 1973, the three brothers were arraigned and charged with four counts of murder and bond was set at $400,000 each, which was a lot of money in 1973. Agree. That was quite high. Yeah. Well, Sandra, God bless her. She proved to be an excellent witness for the prosecution. She was composed forthright about what happened with the shootings and even her rape. Her memory of the details uh, was very clear and consistent throughout multiple interviews and even a polygraph test. I mean, she was solid. She just remembered all of everything. everything. Did she ever pick out James in a lineup? You said she picked out the other two initially. Well, because one of them, they got in the truck. So she already identified him. So they got the other two brothers in the lineup. And and they're like, so who was with? Got it. You know, Alan. So and she's like, those two. I don't know why I had assumed they were together in the truck. That makes sense. No, it was just one of them. Okay. All right. So on February 12th, 1974, David Fryer pled guilty to three counts of first-degree murder and one charge of manslaughter. Allen had already confessed to the murder of Roger, so the charge on that had been reduced for David and James to manslaughter because he already confessed. When convicted to life in prison without parole, David said, no. If all my appeals fail, I'll actually write the governor and ask for the death penalty. I won't live out my life in jail. Keeping me locked up for life can't turn around what happened. It can't bring those people back. So they're like, life in prison. He's like, no. Okay, first of all. (laughs) Sir, you're missing the point. Excuse me, sir. (laughs) Excuse me. Your narcissism is showing. Right. Yes. Well, that didn't work out for him at all. So in 2016, David asked the parole board to overturn the decision to deny 
parole, but his request was denied. Of course. After testimony was made by Sandra and Mike Hadrett's sister, Lynette. Alan Fryer's trial began in February 1974 after a psychiatric exam found him fit to stand trial. And in May 74, he was found guilty on four counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to four consecutive life terms in prison. A month later, in June 1974, after his brother James had been extradited back to the Lyon County Jail for his trial, the two brothers successfully, get this, escaped. <gasps> so he, so the sheriff goes back there and finds the cell door open, right? And he's like, oh, hell no. Goes a little bit further and the other door is open. So they used uh, like a metal piece from from their bed oh. as a pick to pick the lock and they escaped. They're like MacGyver. They're like, ah, we're out. So they escaped, stole a car and left the fled the state. But they were arrested in Gillette, Wyoming and brought back to face new federal charges. Those dumbasses. Oh my God. (laughs) So James's trial for the murders began in December of 74 in Lyon County. A psychiatric exam revealed that James uh, had an IQ of 85 and poorly controlled behavioral issues. On September 30th, 1974, he was found guilty of three charges of first-degree murder and one charge of manslaughter. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. So the district attorney believed that since James was going away for life, there was really no need to subject Sandra to a rape trial because he hadn't been charged with rape yet, because he's the only one that raped Sandra. So since he was going away for life without the possibility of parole, the district attorney thought, well, we're not going to put Sandra through this again, because she already testified, Uh you know, so we're not going to put her through this again. So those charges were never processed. See, that kind of makes me mad. Yeah. Like it didn't matter, but I can see where what he was thinking. Me too. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I know. I, mean, I think he was trying to protect her. They're already going to go away for a life. Yeah. You know, I see what he was trying to do. Right. So all three brothers made attempts to appeal their convictions and failed. Alan is serving his life sentence at the penitentiary in Anamosa, Iowa, and David and James are serving their sentencings at the Fort Dodge Correctional Facility in Fort Dodge, Iowa. And they will all die behind bars. Oh, wow. That was a good one. So let me tell you real quick, I found a little bit on Sandra after the trial, and life was hard for her after that. Uh, It was really difficult. 
So, first of all, law enforcement initially suspected her of knowing more than she admitted. They thought, why would they kill all four and you're the only one alive? But I think it was because she was the only girl and one of the brothers wanted to do what he did. And that's why they took her. And that's why she was alive to rape her. Absolutely. That's why. I just don't know why they took her home. I don't know. It just doesn't Maybe it was just the fact that she was literally a child. Yeah. A 13-year-old where they were like, yeah, we can't go there. I don't know. I don't know. She doesn't even know. I mean, maybe they really thought that she really believed that they were police officers and that they really thought they would get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, so, and then, you know, people gossip, uh, spreading rumors that she survived because she was in on the murders. Oh, You know how no. some minds are so twisted. And then back then, it was the 70s. There was no co counseling offered for her. And she became known as the Gitchy Girl. So classmate at her school shunned her because they were told so by their parents. Oh, my goodness. So she dropped out of school a few months after the murders, after the incident. And it was life was horrible. And she felt ashamed and alone in all of this. So in 2013, Sandra finally chose to tell her story mainly for her family's sake, but also to remind people that she and the others were nothing more than victims that night. Like she was not in on anything. And she did it also for her family because now I'm, I think she's like 60 or so. Mm -hmm. She's a grandmother. And she said if her grandkids were ever to go Google Gitchy Manitou, her name would be right on top of that Google search. Oh, my God. So she finally decided to tell her story and tell the family. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. To be able to come out with that. and. Yeah, I know. I just don't understand how she would get a bad rap. Like how they would even think that a 13-year-old girl would be involved. I don't know. I have no idea. But you know how people... Especially then. Like now, you can chat with whoever mm -hmm. or whatever online. And then right. we just didn't have that. Right. Wow. That's a crazy story. So you know, I do have to tell you, I got goosebumps when you said that the truck drove past. Oh, me too. I sat here and my whole body, I just could not believe what I was hearing. What are the chances? I mean, it's got to be one in a billion or whatever that the perpetrator drives right by as you're cruising down the road. And how scary, how she must have felt in that mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. You know, and she probably thought, don't let him leave. Don't right. let him out of your sight. And I can imagine they had to, they didn't follow them they had to radio somebody else yes and that's what he did which i th also thought was nice oh it was nice you know instead yeah. of him seeing sandra in the car and be like you 
yeah. bitch or whatever, you know, so... Yeah, that gave me goosebumps, too. I hope you enjoyed this story. And if you guys have any suggestions on cases you would like for us to cover, please send us an email. Yes, we always love to hear from you guys. Or if you go to judgycrimegirls.com, you can like leave us a little voice mail even yeah those are fun so cool i love it (laughs) anyway we hope you guys have a great week thanks for tuning in uh stay sassy stay judgy and we will see you next week okay love you bye